Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton. Good to have you with us. It's good to be here together. And welcome to a brand new year. Now, with the theme of last year, the missions behind us, what is the theme for this year? And the theme for this year, 2017, is taking hold. That's what we're calling it. Taking hold. That's why you can write that on your notes now, because that's the name of the lesson. And our theme is based on Philippians chapter 3. We got this idea... Uh, Alan's the one that said, why don't we do taking hold? He asked us uh, several months ago, Gary and I, about this. And the more I thought about it, the better I liked it. Because it's taking hold of the man, the message, and the moment. That's what we're wanting to do this year. And we got this idea from a passage in Philippians 3. And it's from the Apostle Paul. This was a man who God had taken a hold of him. And he says these words. Here's what he says. He says, But whatever were my gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. What's he talking about, this stuff he's calling garbage or rubbish? And it's a loss now. Well, he's talking about his pedigree. He's talking about how he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised on the seventh day. He mentions in Philippians 3, as a Pharisee, he was flawless. He obeyed the Old Testament perfectly. He was, he was considered an incredible, incredible Hebrew. And he says now that doesn't matter to him. This is what matters to him. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. Notice He wants to know something, and He wants to participate in something. He doesn't want just to know about it. He wants to be involved in this. Becoming like Him in His death. He knows it's a journey. It's a process. So now we know Paul wants to know something. He wants to be involved in it and experience it. And he wants to change. He wants to grow from it. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. There's something he wants to get. He wants to attain. He wants to take hold of. And look what he says in verse 12 here. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What an interesting sentence there. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He talks about taking hold here. And another way to say taking hold is to say to apprehend it. One of the translations says, I'm going to apprehend the way God apprehended me. I want to apprehend it, to grab it, to attain it, to win it, to own it. And he's saying here, somebody has taken me. Somebody has taken my heart, he has taken my life, he has taken my purpose, and it's Jesus Christ. And now I'm going to focus on taking him, taking the man, taking the gospel, and taking the moments that help me become like him. That's what I'm getting out of this passage this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes talking a little bit this morning on New Year's Day with a brand new year ahead of us, Greater Alton, about taking hold taking hold here. What can I do to take hold of Jesus? To take hold of what He has to say His message and to take hold of those moments that will help spread the Gospel, help the church grow, help me grow at the same time. Here's my first point. Okay? 
One of the things I can do is I need to keep on believing God has a plan for my life. Listen to me. Listen to me. I need to keep believing this. Now, I know there's times when you and I, I know this is true for me. There are times when I go, I don't know if God's got a plan anymore. Am I right? There are times in your life and my life, especially this last year, you got hit between the eyes with something. Some of you shaking your heads like this going, and I know what you got hit with. Some of you, some of you got hit with death. You lost a spouse. You lost a loved one. Some of you have debt, more debt than you've ever had. You're thinking, how am I ever going to get out of this? Some of you were given papers for divorce. Some of you here failed, fell on your face somewhere, lost your job, whatever it be. Those are the moments, i got to admit, are the times when I go, I don't know, maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm done. I've thought the same thing. If you could be inside the car with my wife and I, you'd think, boy, that Tim... He's sure not the same in the pulpit as he is in that car. What are, we, what are you talking about, Tim? I talk about quitting. I talk about maybe I'm done. Maybe I ought to stick and fork in me. I'm old. I'm an old man. I got a senior citizen's discount today for my coffee by the sound of my voice. She didn't even get to see me. I gave you guys a senior citizen discount. Why would you say that? I mean, honestly, some of us here are older. Uh, we think our glory days are behind us. I hear you. You know, I'm not, I'm a, uh, am I in shape? It's a different shape. Of course I'm in shape. Just different. But you know, there's all kinds of things this year that's happened to you and I that, that make us, that, that, that cause us to pause and think about quitting. Maybe we're done. Maybe there needs to be a younger man doing stuff like this. Maybe there needs to be somebody that has more passion right now than I do. I've been hit so much. I've been hit, I've been hit below the belt, and Satan never is fair, is he? He fights dirty. So there's a lot. We have setbacks and hard times when we go, maybe the, I'm done. Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And I, I stopped believing in the plan. Listen to me this morning. We need to still believe God has a plan. You need to keep believing God has a plan for you. That's never changed. How do you know that, Tim? It says in Philippians 3. Where? Well, without even stretching the passage, look what Paul says. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's saying this from prison bars. Is that a setback? You've been thrown in prison for doing the will of God? Is that kind of slowing the work of God down? You know, Paul, I know something about Paul. He, he had this attitude like, whatever's bad's been happening, God actually has been using it for good. What? He still believes in the plan. He still believes God has a plan for him. So he presses on. He keeps going. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is Paul remembering here in his prison cell? He's remembering when and where it all began at his conversion. He remembers what was said to him at his conversion. Alan Lee and I are studying the Bible together right now. That's Shirley's husband. And we're going through the conversions. 
And we started looking at the Apostle Paul, and I said, you know, the Apostle Paul, or Saul, he goes, why did he change his name? You know, God wants to change you, everything about you. I said, but it's interesting to me that you read the, the account of the conversion of, the, of Paul in Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26. You remember what happens. He's on his way to Damascus, struck down on the road, blind for three days. Ananias, a man, comes to him, Brother Saul, I'm here to give your sight back. And you've been chosen by God. You've been chosen by God, it says. And then he goes to Acts 22. And Paul's talking about this. He says, I was struck down on the road to Damascus, and this guy named Ananias comes and says, I'm here to give your sight back, and you were chosen by God. And he says, so what are you waiting for? Get up and get baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. But I never noticed this before in Acts 26. Paul is before King Agrippa, and he says these words. He's talking about his conversion. You can read it with me up here on the screen. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? He's right in the middle. He's been, been knocked down by Jesus. And look at the, it says, I am Jesus and you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, uh, I wasn't disobedient to the vision from heaven. No, 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 no. First in Damascus, and those in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. I notice something here. Jesus Christ told Paul that. Paul says, you know, I remember this. It was like it happened yesterday, King Agrippa. And I'm on the road to Damascus, and I get knocked down, and I go, who are you? I'm Jesus, and I've chosen you from the lips of Jesus Christ himself. Ananias was just repeating what he'd heard already on the road. That had to be a hoot, huh? That had to be confirming if any, in some way. God has a plan. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you, Paul. Okay, and then here comes this stranger says, God has a plan for you. This person comes along and says, God has a plan for you. Repeats it again. I think I need to hear it again and again and again, church. And I say it to you again. Keep believing. Keep on believing that God has a plan for you. Because He does. He does. Do you remember when Jesus got a hold of you? Do you remember when and where it happened? I do. I was not on the road to Damascus. I was on the road to Bone Gap. I can tell you exactly the place where I realized I was lost and I needed Christ. See, I was a churchgoer and I thought I had it all together. My wife and I, girlfriend at the time, we were arguing. Everybody else is having fun on their dates. I'm arguing with her on our dates. And about the Bible... And so here I am by myself on the way to see her, and at the stop sign of 130 and Route 1, right there where Napmart is in Albion, those of you who don't know where that is, I see it in my head, when it hit me. God is messing with me. God is trying to get my attention. God is trying to use me, and He wants to use me in a powerful way. And whenever I start thinking about Maybe it's time to quit. All you've got to do when you start, start thinking about quitting, start remembering the place, the moment, 
where it was, when it was, when God got a hold of you. Because Paul says, I'm going to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I am going to take hold of this. He's got a hold of me. You see, you were met. It was never accidental. It was on purpose and for a purpose. So God wants to use you. And His plan wasn't just to save you, which is wonderful enough, huh? But He wants to use you. He wants you to serve. Look at this passage here in 2 Thessalonians. It's in your notes and up on the screen. God picked you out as His from the very start. Amen. Think of it. Included in God's original plan of salvation by the bond of faith in the living truth. That is the life of the Spirit He invited you to through the message we delivered in which you get in on the glory of our Master Jesus Christ. So friends, take a firm stand, feet on the ground, and head high. Keep a tight grip. Take hold of this. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught, whether in personal conversation or by our letter. May Jesus Himself and God our Father who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, enliven your speech. You said, remember when God got a hold of you. It was His plan from the very beginning. And let that energize you. Let it invigorate you. Let it enliven you. You see, God picked you from the very beginning. Isn't that what the cross is all about? We're going to take the Lord's Supper right now. And I want you to think about this, that it was at the cross, before the cross, the life of Christ. Because we're not just remembering the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. We're remembering everything about Him. That from the very beginning, He picked you and I. I don't know who needs to hear that. But He picked you. And He saved you to serve. And I just want to say to you, I want to challenge you a little bit. Do you still believe God has a plan for your life? Because God still wants to use you. And like Paul, will you be able to say, I'm not going to resist this plan. I'm not going to be disobedient to this plan. In 2017, I'm going to take hold and I'm going to cooperate with the plan of God and let Him use me. Let's pray and let's remember Jesus who chose us before we were ever here to be conformed to His likeness and to change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank You for your sacrifice of Your Son, Jesus. Father, we start, we start the year. What a way to start thinking about Your Son, Jesus. And Father, we pray that we can think about Him and remember. As we remember, Father, let it cultivate, let it invigorate our hearts right now to want to know Jesus more this year. To know His power. To participate 
in his life become like him when we face those moments that we'll sacrifice and that one day we'll be resurrected from the dead because of it. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for picking us out from the very start. Father, we pray that we'll take hold. We'll take hold of this fact and let it take hold of our hearts and change us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I keep on believing God has a plan for my life. And number two, I tackle the areas where I need to improve. Nobody's perfect. You're sitting at the table with people who have flaws. You might think you're the only one that doesn't, but you got them too. Nobody's arrived. Nobody's got it all together. Nobody bats a thousand. No one's perfect. Now, we like to think we've got some things down, but when you start to think about it, folks, we don't have a lot. We do not have a lot. See, there's lots of room for improvement. Even the Apostle Paul admits this. Look what he says. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all that I should even yet, but I keep working toward that day when I'll finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear friends, I am still not all I should be. But I'm bringing all my energies to bear this one thing, forgetting the past, 2016. And looking what lies ahead, 2017. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us upward to heaven because of what Christ did for us. What I want you to notice here is Paul is not satisfied. Did you notice that? He is not satisfied. My goodness, Paul, out of all the people on earth, I think you would be able to relax. Right? I mean, look at you. You're a Hebrew of Hebrews. You're flawless when it comes to the Old Testament. By the way, being a Pharisee meant he had the whole Old Testament memorized word for word flawlessly. This guy had all of it going for him. And yet he says, I don't have it all together. I'm still not what I need to be. There's room for improvement. I want you to see something here. This is not guilt and shame talking here. I want to say it again. This is not guilt and shame that Paul is talking about here. It is a divine discontentment. It is like an athlete that says, I know I can do better than this. I know I, I, know I could beat that time. I know I could win this race. So what's he do? He sets his jaw, puts his head down, and keeps training for one goal, and that's victory. Listen, while he's maintaining his strengths, he works on his weaknesses. That's what Paul's doing here. I'm going to ask you this morning, in 2016, have you been satisfied? Well, what's wrong with that, Tim? There's some danger in that. Because when you're satisfied, you're never going to do anything else if you think you've arrived. If you think that you've arrived, listen, I can compare myself to people who are doing less and feel pretty good about myself. How about you? But Paul does not compare himself to other people. He compares himself to Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ. 
And so I want to ask you this morning here, what area in your life do you really need to improve in? I know everybody else might at the table tell you, well, I'll give you some suggestions and what they think might be helpful, but what you think matters the most. What is this area that you go, you know what, I've not arrived there. I fall short there. There's lots of room for improvement. Is it your emotions? My emotions get the best of me. I'm going to tell you, 2016, my emotions took it on the chin. I found myself, the way I felt about, feeling about this and feeling about that and how my faith was kind of, I'd set my faith aside and my feelings kind of seemed to take over. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is that where you need to improve in? My emotions, they get the best of me. Maybe it's your finances. I need to get a handle on my finances. Maybe it's something like a relationship with a parent, with a child, with a friend, with a brother and sister in Christ. I need to improve that. I need to improve that. Maybe there's a stronghold that's got a hold of you. Something that you just have a hard time shaking. Is that where you need to improve? Maybe it's an attitude. Just an attitude. I need to get an attitude adjustment. I need to improve there. There's room for improvement there. I want to ask you in 2017 to take hold of that and decide to tackle that. With God's help, tackle that. Some of you here in 2016 addressed your emotions. And I tell you, I watched some of you, and and I'll tell you, I've watched you grow. What used to get to you doesn't get to you like it used to. That's because you got serious about it. So this year, why don't we get serious about that? Some of us here, not let our emotions, not let our attitudes, strongholds, whatever it be, kick us around anymore. With God's help, let's tackle that. And number three, I do things that will stretch my faith. Notice Paul says, one thing I do. It's funny. It looks like he's doing two things. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul, I thought you, you said one thing. Right, Tim. And only one thing you can do. See, you can't focus on the past and focus on the future at the same time. You're not made that way. But aren't we to learn from the past? Yeah, learn, but don't dwell and live in the past. Learn from the past so you can tackle what's ahead of you and deal with what's ahead of you in the future so you can attain and take what's in the future. I don't know what last year was like for some of us here. Like I say, I know some of us here, um, you might be like the rest of the nation. It's one of the worst years. They have chalked it up as one of the worst years in history, you know, and obvious for obvious reasons. And, but I know some of you would say, my year was awesome. I got a new child. I got a new grandchild. I'm getting into a house. My friend became a Christian. I became a Christian this year. I came back to God this year. That is awesome. That's great. And yet I know, as great as things were, they weren't free from burdens. Am I right? You had some setbacks. You had some stuff happen. On the other hand, some of you might say, and I had somebody say this this to me recently, um, and I, I just want to get 2016 behind me. It was the year of H-E double hockey sticks. It was just awful. It was awful, Tim. Diagnosed with 
a disease, someone passed away, my job situation doesn't look very stable, I don't know what's going to happen, I'm worried. And yet, wouldn't you say that amongst all that difficulty and those burdens, there were some blessings too? Yeah. Well, what's Paul talking about here? Well, I notice Paul is in prison. And he is saying, I'm going to put the past out of my mind and focus on what's ahead of me. I'm not going to rest on my successes or dwell on my defeats. Because it's in the past. Like the great theologian Rafiki once said, Akuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. It's in the past. It's in the past. I can't change the past, can you? I've made so many mistakes. I wish I could take them back. I can't. All I can do is learn from them. All I have is now, and I'm not sure if I have tomorrow. But Paul says, well, you're more likely to have tomorrow than you're going to have the past. And I'm going to put out of my mind, I'm not going to rest on my laurels, or dwell on my defeats, I'm going to focus ahead because I can't do both, Tim, and you can't either. And church, i got news for you. You can't live the past. You can't drive like this. You're going to wreck. You can't live like this either. You're going to get in trouble. You have to forget the past. You have to put it behind you. I don't forget as much as you've got to choose to put it behind you and focus on the future. Again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't learn from the past. Learn from the past so you can handle now and, and tomorrow. But I've learned two things here. For me to take hold, I have to let go to take hold. That's the first lesson I notice here. I have to let go of something to take hold. And I have to stretch forward to take hold. I've got to stretch to take hold. Because faith is a muscle, folks. And without it being exercised, it gets flabby in a hurry. And stretching ain't easy. I watched football players, went to a college game, watched my nephew play. And these guys are stretching. And I notice they don't have grins on their faces when they're stretching. They're grimacing. And I'm thinking, why are you stretching? It'll prevent injury, and they perform better. There's a spiritual lesson there, huh? Prevents injury, and I perform better. MMA fighters, I think they're amazing. I've watched these MMA fighters, and you know they walk up to somebody, and they're going to kick them in the head. <laughs> could you bend down for me so I could kick you in the head? How do they get their foot so high, and wham, they knock the guy. I mean, they knock the guy senseless. How's that possible? They spent years stretching and going through training and being pushed. Their trainers putting them through the ringer. And they, and they let them do that and they grab hold of that kind of life because they know it's worth it. They're able to do things they couldn't do before. Stretching your faith has rewards too. Do a word study on the word stretch in the NIV or whatever. NIV, I did that. I just typed in stretch. And I couldn't believe the phrase I heard so much. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. Have Aaron stretch out his hand and plagues will come to Egypt. Moses, 
Stretch out your hand over the waters and I'll part the sea. Even Jesus, here's a guy who has a shriveled up hand and he's crippled and he says, stretch your hand out. And he stretches it out. He reaches out to Jesus as best he can and God's able to restore. Great things happen when you stretch. Especially when you stretch toward God. That's what Paul's doing. He's stretching toward Christ. I want this. And it's just out of my reach. And it's on purpose. Because you grow when you stretch. So instead of sulking and getting all bent out of shape when somebody challenges you, you probably need to take it up with the head office. Quit picking on the other employee here. The head office is saying, make them stretch. Why? Because I grow when I stretch. And I'm saying to you, church, this morning, let's take hold this year. Let's keep believing. And Some of you may have to start believing again that God has a plan for your life. Do that. Start this year that way. I'm reading the Daily Bible. I'm taking a break from the Daily Text. And I'm reading the Daily Bible um, exclusively just for me. I already had my quiet time this morning. Awesome time. Looking at the beginning, God created it all. And I, I want to say to you, you can join me by reading the Daily Bible. Uh, if you haven't got a copy, the bookstore will get you a copy. Tom and I are trying to get, there's, there's a book, an additional book called The Daily Devotional that you can purchase. We're trying to get it on our website so you can read along. It's a daily devotional based on the passages we're reading. And I just want to encourage you this year to stretch your faith by feeding your faith. Because when you do, the rewards are incredible. You're stronger. You're tougher. Last week we had that barking dog. Anybody hear that dog? I noticed, I noticed it went, woo, 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 woo. And then all the faces looked at me like, what's he going to do? <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? You know what I was thinking? That's the best you got, devil? Jingle bells on a cell phone. That's the best you got? I can think of a lot of things that get me off track. Jingle bells on a phone and a barking dog. Big whoop. I got to tell you, there was a time when that would bother me. Oh, <laughs> the whole thing's ruined. When you stretch your faith, it makes you spiritually and mentally and emotionally tougher. Believe me, it will. Speaking to, I know some of you are drama queens. I'm the drama king. And I'm telling you, as a drama king, I can tell you, walking with the Lord and stretching your faith and trying new things and getting involved in ministry, connecting better in small group, all those things make you stronger. And they make this church stronger too. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I know, I know it's, this is about the Lord. I want to say this to you. Would you help me? Do me a favor. Whatever you got to do this year, grow. I don't know what it. What you know? What I'm saying. Just would you just grow? That would help me. You would help everybody else around you. If you just refuse to stay stuck, but reach, reach a little further out, out of your comfort zone, a little bit further than you normally would, and go. You know what? I'm going to try something. I'm going to get involved in this ministry. I am going to be involved in my discipleship group. They're not going to wonder where I am half the time because I'm going to be there all the time. 
And I'm going to take personal responsibility in my faith. And I'm going to read. There's so much information. All I've got to do is get out there and find it. And I'm going to let people speak into my life this year. And when someone says, hey, I want you to take this, like Bill did. I asked Bill, I said, Bill, would you take this and just do this? And it's so hard to sit back. But see, I've got to let go. I probably have the biggest problem. It's hard for me to let go. I do not want to plan the men's retreat this year. I don't want to take care of the marriage retreat this year. Who's going to do it? There needs to be a young man, a young woman. There's people that, listen, we have people that are not in a small group because there's nobody ready to lead a group. And we need somebody to take hold. Grab responsibility because you make the church stronger. You're wanting us to make your job easier. What's wrong with that? I would love that. I do so much better when I'm relaxed. I don't know what you need to let go of. Insecurity? Fear? You better let go of it. You won't be able to stretch until you let go of something. you got to. And church, I just want to encourage you to do that. The church will be stronger. You'll make me better. And you'll be more effective in reaching people. So I want to challenge you again. Spend time with the Lord. Sunset classes are always going on. Get involved in that class. Take the classes and seminars we offer this year. Network with other Christians. Don't be on the edge of things. Get involved. Take a step closer. Let somebody train you and help you. I'm going to say this. Work on you this year. For every leader here, work on you this year because all of your leadership comes out of your heart. And when you're given a responsibility, and some of you are going to be given a responsibility, take it. Take hold of it. Because, listen, if it bears His name, it deserves your best. And we do this this year together, and we take hold. We will be better and stronger, and God will be glorified and honored that much more. I leave you with a question. What will I take hold of this year? What will I take hold of this year? I want you to pray about that and think about that. As we take hold of some things here in 2017, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the brunch. And Father, um, thank you for your great love. Father, as we're singing that song, To Be in Your Family, I just looked across this audience and thought, wow, what a special place this is. And I get to be here. And Father, I just thank you for that. Thank you for this family I have here. Thank you for the guests that are here this morning. Lord, I pray that um, pray for a woman named Sarah whose daughter committed suicide last night. And it just breaks my heart to hear that kind of stuff. And this is a friend of Susie. Father, I pray you just give her some kind of comfort, Lord. Give her some kind of peace with this. It has to be tragic. But Father, we ask you to do that. Father, I think of the sick here. I think of those that aren't here because they are ill. Father, I pray You'll restore their health. We pray You'll restore their health. And Lord, as we, as we get ready to close this service, Lord, 
we pray will begin this year with a renewed spirit that will take hold of what You took hold through Jesus Christ for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.